Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a Medallia company. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. This podcast is also brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing top performing customer success programs. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And today I'm joined by Andrew Rollins, who's the customer success design lead for Telstra, a 150-year-old telecommunications company based in Australia. We're going to talk about his approach and some of the challenges he has faced as he's taken on the task of building customer success in an organization that isn't software as a service. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. How did you land in your current role in customer success? Can you share a little about your career path into our field? Yes, I can. Uh, So originally I worked in the service delivery space and account executive space through large IT service companies like IBM and then EDS, HP, HP, EDXC, the one big company. But around 2014, (laughs) I was looking to make a change and I was in the middle of an interview, actually, with a few executives at an organization. And one of them turned around and said, I actually think you should look into a customer success management type role. And I had no idea what that was. So I started digging into that. And and I really fell in love with the idea of of actually putting the customer first, not that lip service, you know, where it's, oh, yeah, I put the customer first, but actually I really am ruled by the contract and only do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But back then, unfortunately, there weren't very many roles in Australia in customer success. Um, But finally, a role came up at a company called Automation Anywhere, a software as a service company, and I was employee 007. Uh, It was there under some pretty awesome leadership that I cut my teeth on customer success and, and how to build a team. That's great. Although we have listeners all over the world, you know, most of them probably aren't familiar with Telstra. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization you work for? Telstra is a very large 150-year-old Australian locally owned telecommunication and technology services organization that splits into two bits. So you've got your Telstra consumer, so your everyday people and small business. And then we have your Telstra enterprise, which is all of the largest enterprises in Australia down to, you know, smaller, small businesses. Okay. That's where I work in the Telstra enterprise space. So I guess if you're in the US, think of AT&T or Verizon. Okay. Our network reaches 99% of the population of Australia. The thing is, most people think of Telstra only as an Australian company, but we actually have people in around 20 countries and we operate the largest wholly owned subsea cable network in Australia Pacific. So something like one third of Asia Pacific data traffic travels through mm-hmm. Telstra's cable networks. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I think Telstra is a really interesting case. Um, what led to the organization deciding that customer success was going to be important for its future? It's a good question. Uh, and obviously, for those that don't know Telstra, we're a company that is always evolving. We're, we're always trying to stay on top of the trends and lead the way in not just networks, but telecommunications and digitization. 
-hmm. we can be quite visionary <laughs> and we're always trying to disrupt ourselves. So, so I guess like most telecommunication companies around the world, part of our large transformation strategy that we're undergoing, one of our executives, uh, Chris Russo, was looking and saw customer success and thought, you know what, that's going to be foundational to where we want our service organisation to be in the enterprise customer space. We could see we didn't have trouble selling but we tended to sell and then only proactively engage again close to the renewal, which I guess is probably mm -hmm. quite a common story for large, old organisations. Yeah. But almost all the other engagements that we had, they were reactive, like something's broken and it needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. As we plan for a world, especially in Telstra, but I guess it's probably most legacy companies, where contracts either don't exist anymore or they're much shorter, it was pretty obvious that we had to look at a new way to work with our customers after the sale to ensure that they're delighted, but achieving their outcomes almost maniacally day in and day out. That's where Chris saw customer success coming in, and I guess it's what we are working to build. That's great. Um, when you joined the organization to lead the transformation effort, how did you approach building a vision for customer success at Telstra? What did you land on? <laughs> One of the first things that I had to learn here is that we are, and we like to say it, but it's true, we're a very complex organization due to our age and our side, which, yeah. which, which makes it hard to move fast, knowing that we actually do need to move fast. Right. So our vision, we sort of had to understand that though we're trying to build a new function, it's actually, we're not a greenfield startup. Um, while we are a new function, customer success doesn't live or die just by our function. So mm -hmm. I guess I know a lot of people who walk around in companies saying, you know, everyone is in sales and, and I kind of get sick of hearing it, but I heard it a lot at DXC and I heard it from great people in automation anywhere. My counter to that now is, you know what, maybe everyone is in sales, but everyone is in customer success. It's something. Absolutely, yeah. It's just right. I mean, it's it's just it's obvious once once you understand it. It's something that we're working really hard, and we're working through it. So we had to set up a team goal, a vision, or maybe even a mantra might be a better word. Everyone is in customer success, and going right back to the basics, which is what gets people thinking about outcomes from a customer perspective instead of from our perspective, which is what we're really good at as a company of thinking only about our perspective and what does it mean for us, but we lose sight of what, what we should yeah. be worried about is what it means to our customers and what are they trying to do. I know right. it's like it sounds kind of small and basic, but the culture shift here is huge. So we have to get in there and sell outcomes. Then we need to deliver those outcomes while ensuring a really great experience, which is now the right. baseline expectation. So from you and me and every other consumer in the world, the baseline expectation is that I have a great experience. Right. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's about looking at it from the customer's point of view. And trust me, you're not the only organization that has trouble with that. Yeah, I think we all do. It's human nature. So, um, you know, it's just, I think, more complicated when it's such a large organization to navigate so and we tried um, to break it down to to say you yeah. know it's pretty basic when the customer wins we win and it's it's it's, yeah. it's as simple as that and yeah. i know and i used to i used to say it at automation anywhere all the time i know it sounds really tacky but if you the customer don't succeed then i don't succeed 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's the reality of it, though. So it's good to say it. Even yeah. If it it's just a fact. Basic. Yeah. Um, how are you thinking about building out a customer success team at Telstra? Where, where are you with that today? And what are you considering in terms of team structure down the road? So every every few months we we learn something new. In the beginning, okay. we sort of sat down and we spent a good six months building out what we thought it would look like for Telstra Enterprise. And when you're talking about eighteen thousand customers, you know, from in large mm-hmm. enterprises to small businesses, with a potential mix of over six hundred products or worse, like multiple parts of those six hundred products put together to make a service and a recurring mm-hmm. revenue of around eight billion dollars. No matter how you look at it, it's going to need a lot of resources. So we still battle with our design in whether we align to a product or we align to a customer or some kind of hybrid mix. And it's it's a hard question because it depends on the organization, but it also it's it's what we can achieve. So how do we have a CSM who doesn't have any in-depth knowledge of products still add value to a customer without being seen as just a go-between? Conversely, if we did have product-specific CSMs, how do we avoid, you know, one customer having multiple CSMs? And is that even a problem? Because they might be talking to different parts of the organization, given how large Mm -hmm. and how wide our breadth is. Yeah. I mean, as a company always moving and innovating, we couldn't just sit and wait while we designed. So we started to run we started to run things that we call what test and learns, but we we tried we we tried to avoid using the word pilot because it implies that there may be an end. But for us, there is no end for CS at Telstra. It's just about how to fit it best. Right. I mean, I, I love think, it. Sorry, go ahead. I think, oh, no, I was going to just say, I think that testing approach is the right approach. Um, it lets you run quickly. It does. It does. And then when when we did our original designs, I, used, I, I mean, I loved it. Every time we would go out and show it to another leader or another exec inside Telstra, it would end up with more questions than answers, which while that obviously has its challenges, it also ensures that we keep our focus on making it work for Telstra specifically because we are mm-hmm. a different organisation. Yeah. Um, what has your approach been to building out processes for your team with other groups in the organisation who are going to be at, you know, interacting with your group? It seems like that's a pretty big challenge. It, it is a big challenge. And again, given the size of your organization, it, it's very much baby steps, I guess you'd say. Okay. We've got so many functions that already exist and they've been around for such a long time and so well established. As an example, our marketing function does much more than traditional marketing. They're actually called value creation. Our our delivery org is working really hard to move away from just being your typical reactive delivery org and our sales Mm -hmm. team are starting to think about how to sell outcomes. So everyone is changing in the right way. But Mm -hmm. what we've found is if if we're being totally honest, we we actually don't have very well documented processes in so many of our spaces because we've been Mm -hmm. doing it for so long. So when we try to build something for customer success and we go out and we say, here, we built this, someone will go, oh, but we already do that. I mean, honestly, sometimes it feels two steps forward, one steps back, which is still progress, mm-hmm. right? But it's slow going. We, we yeah. have to be very consultative. We, we tried to lock ourselves away in the early days and just build what we think 
but we learned that that doesn't work. It got a lot of people's backs up and it actually yeah. doesn't end up being what's truly best for our customers and therefore best for Telstra. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to think that with a new function, I feel like, you know, like customer success, you think, oh, we can just go build it in a closet somewhere yeah. and then roll it out. <laughs> but it's inter- it interacts with so many other teams. Um, it really does. That- that I mean, you can't design in a silo. You have to design with the other groups that are going to be involved. And they'll think of things you wouldn't have thought of. And, and they do. And it's, it's yeah. I mean, what we know is that if, if you look at the traditional CS model of what sits in a CS org, a lot of those functions are done outside of our current function in Telstra. So we mm-hmm. have to continue to find ways to more to enable those other functions and their roles, but also vice versa. Yeah. It's, I mean, I often use a reference that um, I probably shouldn't put in a podcast, but I will. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like everyone wants to date us at the moment. And by us, I mean customer success, but nobody's uh-huh. quite ready to take us home to their parents. So yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that is that we, as an organization, given our size, we have so many programs of work going on across multiple parts of the business. And a really large company-wide transformation happening. And all of those things are competing for attention of our executives, but also for resources. And resources are finite. Mm-hmm. So we still have to wine and dine and speak to the right people and show the true value of CS. And we're doing that through our test and learn capability. Um, would I like us to go faster? Obviously, I would. But I, I mean... We also have to drive home that customer success is a company-wide responsibility, which is enabled by our function. It is not just our function. Right. Well, and I think your tests will help to give you the data that you need to to prove. prove <laughs> That's out the, the plan. Value. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision-making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So we've worked with several large older organizations helping them build out their customer success programs. And one thing I've noticed is that these companies often have a lot of older homegrown technology in place. Is that an issue for Telstra? And how are you building out tooling for your team? It is it is definitely an issue for Telstra. I mean, again, I, I refer back to our size, but we actually have an amazing pool of skills and resources. And we have, I guess, historically tended to lean into the build versus buy mentality. And I mean, I can say that because in the past, yeah. 
I've I've worked around Telstra for many, 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 many years in different parts of it. It it serves us well when we go down the path of build versus buy often, but you end up with a lot of complexity. And if if you don't invest the resources to keep what you've built up to date, it very quickly fails and becomes nothing but a maintenance nightmare. I guess given the amount of products that we have and the amount of data that there is for every one of those products, it's a pretty scary yeah. thought. I can't even comprehend the size of a data lake that we're, we're trying to build. Like I, I, it, they talk numbers to me and I, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the first things that we did when I started was actually to run a vendor assessment program. So we gathered mm-hmm. the requirements of what we thought we needed in a CS tool in the next one to two years. We shared them with three vendors. And funnily enough, even though we chose vendors from the leading space and then those up-and-comers, we didn't, while we had a clear winner, the difference wasn't huge. So when we were looking at the tools, we're talking a few percentage points in difference. Mm-hmm. We're now, what, five months later and we're working through that thinking of do we build something specifically in-house, which I'm not necessarily a fan of, but do we bolster up our CRM tool to serve as a CS tool or do we buy something off the shelf? We haven't landed on an answer yet. Um, I know I've got my own opinions on it, um, but we basically need to get some of the executives across and come up with a decision, whichever way that may be. Yeah. So you have a CRM system in place today. Do you have any other tools that you're using? Uh, at the moment, so we're only using a CRM tool to run our health score. Okay. Um, and oh, because okay. we're still mostly test and learn, we use the CRM tool for us to put in our updates as well. So for the actual CSMs who are out doing the testing and learning, the CRM tool is the only tool that both the sales organisation and the service organisation and our organisation can access and use. Okay. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Um, So I think thinking about health and utilization for your kind of company is probably pretty different than it would be for a SaaS company. How, How do you think about customer health in your environment? I think it is. It is quite different, but I guess when it comes down to it, the, the, the underlying things that you need are still the same. So okay. customer health was one of the first things that we worked on as well. So we did the vendor assessment and then we also said, you know what, we need to build a customer health tool really quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of how far that's come in, I guess, five months. We just released into production in the CRM tool version one, um, but primarily mm-hmm. It's customer experience metrics, so tickets raised, survey results, financials, et cetera. What we haven't got in a central place yet is telemetry. And yes, I guess some of our products were built before telemetry was even a word. Um, So our products teams are actively working on that and ensuring it's part of our future products and part of our digitization strategy, but we do have a lot of legacy applications where it's probably realistic to think we'll never get the telemetry that we need, which will leave us with experience type metrics, which is just a little bit harder. Um, We know to do anything at scale, just purely because we're talking about 18,000 customers of which, you know, each one of them could have subsidiaries. So you could be up to 50,000 different types of customers. Right. We need machine learning across all of our data, we know that. Um, but it just, it, it, it blows my mind to think about how long it's gonna take and how big a project this is in a company like ours. I know, it's, um, 
Yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier. I think going in baby steps is probably the best way to not be overwhelmed by that. It is. But, <laughs> yeah. And I can see I mean, how I'm we just... may we may turn around and go, you know what, I think as part of our original previous conversation that we might go, let's just do it by product. Let's do our CS work by product and set some criteria that says your product must have these 10 things. If you don't, then you can't come into the CS function. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you've mentioned a, a number of things, but what what do you see as the biggest hurdles you've encountered as you've been working through this transformation process? I think a couple of the biggest ones, and, and they're probably, if I'm being honest, as much as I like to say that we're not a typical software as a service company and therefore we're, we're different, I think some of our hurdles are the same. And I mean, business case, business case, business case. It's really hard to get a justifiable business, sorry, a justifiable business case down on paper mm-hmm. that fits the complexities yeah. of such a large siloed organization. Yeah. Um, it's it's we have to do it through our test and learns. We have to, you know, apply some, I guess, guesstimates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes time to get in with all the other competing priorities that are going on. So it's it's working on a business case. Even though it might not be the fun part of CS where you want to play yet, if it's where you can prove the value quickest, that's probably the best place to start. It is because it will actually in the long run help you go faster. Exactly. It's (laughs) like go slow to go faster. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the other one would be data. So, I mean, as I've probably alluded to multiple times, Telstra has so much data in so many places. And given the legacy nature, it's not all clean. It's not new. And it's probably not even the right kind of data. But without data, customer success becomes hugely human intensive, which which is probably right. okay in a small company or a startup or, a, you know, software as a service that's growing rapidly. But in a company our size, it's not realistic to introduce hugely human intensive functions. It's just you'll, you'll never get that across the line. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we had a a data scientist on our show a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how clean does your data need to be? And he, his point was, if you're, if you're doing testing, it needs to be like 90% clean, but if it's your customer data, it needs to be a hundred percent clean. Like you no, need I, all I, of, Yeah. It seems scary to think that that's what you need, but re- really realistically, you know, when it's not clean, it just, it, it you're potentially firing off wrong triggers, wrong health scores, wrong success plays. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it it's, just makes it worse. It it does, yeah. It's interesting to to think about something um, at the scale of your organization. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you recommend to someone who's leading a similar transformation in an older organization or in a non-SaaS company? What, how would you suggest that they get started? It's funny because as much as I think that the CS industry largely only ever talks about SaaS, I think the answer here is the same for both legacy and SaaS. You, you've got to have sponsorship from the top. A bottom-up approach just will not work and a middle approach is worse because you've got to go up and down and it's really hard, yeah. which is where we find ourselves now. <laughs> you need to yeah. drive from the top to realise that this is a company-wide mandate. As I said, everyone is in custom success. So it's yeah. important to remember that it'll be, it's, it's a huge, for a legacy org, it's a huge cultural shift. Like, and that, that you cannot, 
you can't undersell that. It is huge and it requires its own change program. Yeah. The demand's there. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, luckily, I feel like even, um, so I started the Success League five years ago. And in those five years, I've seen a huge shift in CEOs sort of thinking differently about what customer Mm -hmm. success is. And it's, it's improving dramatically and fairly quickly. So hopefully um, in not too long, that won't be a battle that has to be fought quite as much. Well, I mean, the demand's there and the need's yeah. there. The, the reality is that for legacy type companies, you need to start out with test and learn style programs, but the demand is there. I mean, I don't see a world... And originally when I came in, I thought, oh, yeah, this will be great. You know, at Telstra, we're going to just build this huge, you know, monolith of a piece of an organization. But I really don't see a world where Big Bang's ever going to work in this space because it, it's, mm-hmm. it has to work for the company and for the mm-hmm. industry. So it's never going to be cookie cutter for right. necessarily for legacy companies because what a car manufacturer might do versus what a telco might do versus, you know, it's, it's going to be drastically different. But I guess I guess my main advice would be, start start just don't think about mm-hmm. too much just start set yourself some <laughs> a and b style tests you know so yeah 20 customers with product a have customer success function 20 don't see what happens prove the value as much as you can i also wouldn't i wouldn't attack the entire layer life cycle in one go certainly not in a legacy company i just pick a space to play and go for it so for example i think one of the best spaces to start with is adoption Okay. Easier to measure. It's it's easier to measure, but it's all it's 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 probably the one thing that legacy companies don't necessarily have have never really paid attention to. So it's probably the easiest place to make uh, okay to make a change. You know, we sell, we run, we come back later. Yeah, I like it. Um, last question. This is something we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now, and why? It's a tough one, and I'm probably going to lose some friends with my answer to this question. I guess I worry I worry that there's a trend that customer success becomes just another run-of-the-mill role. It sort of feels a little bit like customer success is becoming a buzzword, and a lot of companies are trying to just fill the roles to say that they have it without the actual vision or the company-wide mandate. It's like, oh, yeah. oh but we have customer success, so, so it's okay. I think... The risk that comes with that is diminishing the value of true customer success. So an example, we use the term in our team being CSM'd. And if you've ever experienced it, it is really annoying. And and to me, what it means is a company's got a CSM and the CSM literally exists to drive you down a path and they do it in a really obvious way without actually understanding me, the customer, or the context, which which really diminishes the value of a CSM function. Yeah. I guess the other trend that I see, which is obvious through this interview, is that more and more things are going to go down the as-a-service route. So if you think electricity, cars, I can't even come up with all the places that are going to go down this path. But as that happens, more and more legacy traditional companies are going to look into how to make customer success work for them. So while I think customer success was certainly born out of a software, I think it'll be dominated by traditional companies in the future as the world demands everything in an as-a-service fashion. Yeah. I, I like that idea. <laughs> 
I, I think that's what I would like as a consumer. Yeah, I, I think so too. That's how I think about it. Yeah. I just would like, and you know, and everyone thinks, and I'm digressing slightly, but everyone thinks that you need hugely human intent. Like everything has to be customer success, have your customer success manager. You know what? I actually don't want a phone call. I don't want to talk to someone as no. a consumer. I'm really happy for everything to be done digitally. I love the way Netflix suggests things that I might like to watch and it has pays attention to when I do and don't log in and just gently nudges me in the right direction. That it doesn't need it, it doesn't need to be a person, and I'm not saying no. at a high end. Obviously, it does, but you know you could apply it to so many different industries and organisations. Yeah, and well, and it, what I think that means is that in the future, a customer success manager role um, is not necessary for every segment of your customer yeah. base. But what is necessary in terms of humans is someone to think through what is the next thing that should happen for a yeah. customer that's in this situation. And so there's still there's still work to be done by humans. It's just more in a planning capacity and a empathy capacity. And I think there's a huge opportunity there that we haven't even begun to tap in terms of B2B. Yeah, and I think that was one of the it, when I when I first joined with with Telstra and I was working with my boss, and we, what we found the most exciting was actually our long tail end, which is where yeah. we're talking about. I think it's something in the vicinity of fourteen thousand customers are in what what you call the long tail, and it's it's about a third of our revenue. Like it cannot be ignored, but I cannot service it with people, so it's that whole. Right doing it, I don't know, tech touch, digital touch, whichever words you want to use. But I find that really exciting because I think that's 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 where the magic happens and underpins your high touch and mid touch as well. Yep, it does. It's actually, I agree with you. I think it's the most exciting part of our field right now because it requires more thinking about what do you really want your experience to be for your customers? And then there's the thinking around, well, how do you best execute on that? And what tools are you going to use and what timing is going to look like? And there's so many factors and it's really fun to design programs like that. It is. It really, really is. Um, And I I think it's something that I get, again, I'm generalizing, but I think a a lot of software as a service companies can afford to not worry about their long tail end so much because it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily so large, but as I said, for us at Telstra Enterprise, it's a third of our revenue is in that space. So you're talking, right. you know, two, three billion dollars. Yeah. So you you can't ignore that. No, absolutely <laughs> cannot. So Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today, um, and thanks for sharing your ideas on how to approach customer success in a non-SaaS organization. I know this is going to be a really interesting episode for a lot of people in our audience. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you very much for yourself and for Strike Deck for having me on the show. It's it's, it's been uh, fun. I could probably talk about these things till the cows come home. I hope yeah. I haven't made any enemies from my potentially controversial comments. No. I'm always happy <laughs> to chat about CS. What can I say? If someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Oh, grab me through LinkedIn anytime. I'm pretty okay. responsive on there. Okay. Sounds good. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. 
To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.